Are the Dallas Cowboys the new favorites in the NFC East after a pair of big trades? We talk about that. What Jimmy Garoppolo means for the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll talk about where the New England Patriots rank in the AFC East pecking order and so much more coming up next here on this episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Monday, so that means you have me, Kevin Ostrich, one of the many NFL experts here on our network and today's episode of locked on nfl is brought to you by ultimate football gm if you've ever dreamed of becoming an nfl general manager and managing your football franchise this game is definitely for you to download the game says at ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores our listeners get a 100 free boost of their franchise using the promo code locked on in all caps in the game and thank you so much for tuning in with us here today on locked on nfl we are free you can subscribe or follow for free on youtube or wherever you listen to your podcast to get the latest episodes as soon as they're available here. And today on Monday, the first week, well, legal tampering period week of NFL free agency officially in the books as the legal tampering period started last Monday. Official league year started on Wednesday. And today we're going to be talking a bit about just what the biggest moves of that past week has been. So we'll first talk with Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys about what the trades of both Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore mean for Dallas and whether that moves them ahead of Philadelphia is the NFC East favorites. Then in the second segment, we'll talk with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders about Jimmy Garoppolo, the Darren Waller trade, Jacoby Myers, and everything Vegas has done this free agency period. Then finally, we'll move on talk with Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots about Juju Smith-Schuster and that addition. They subtract Jacoby Myers there also talking about where the Patriots kind of slot in in that AFC's peck order with the Jets and you have the Dolphins in there and obviously the Bills who were contenders themselves. So that pecking order, it's up for debate right now. We'll talk with Mike DeBate about that in our final segment. But first, let's get into our conversation with Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys about that Dallas team and where they rank in the NFC East. Well, the Dallas Cowboys have been very aggressive to open up the 2023 free agency period. A couple of big trades in here to talk about those with me. Landon McCool, one of the hosts over at Locked on Cowboys. And Landon, let's start with the big news of yesterday on Sunday. The Cowboys getting Brandon Cooks into town. Only a fifth and a sixth round pick, fifth in 2023, and then a sixth in 2024, the compensation there. Dallas has you know, been known to maybe want a receiver next to C.D. Lamb to have another weapon opposite of him. A lot of people were on the Odell Beckham to Dallas train, but that now appears to have left the station with nothing. And in comes Brandon Cooks here. How do you like the fit? How do you like the trade? I love the fit. I, I love the trade. It's almost exactly the Cooper compensation trade sent in, in verse, right? Um, and 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 I think that you know for you know all the different smoke and and all you know, it, it, I imagine it like a horse race, right? Like they had all these different horses. You got the trade for D Hop horse. You've got the Odell Beckham and free agent horse. You got the trade for Jerry Judy horse. They were all kind of vying for for you know for us. And then and then here comes Brandon Cooks right down the stretch, like out of nowhere. Uh, you know, and, and like, and this all started, you know, last year or near the trade deadline when there was obviously a lot of conversations between these two teams about Cooks. It ultimately didn't feel like Houston wanted to trade uh, Cooks. And, and, and I think for Dallas, 
they wanted Houston to take on some of that cash to kind of compensate, you know, kind of deal with some of the guarantees that that Cook still had left this deal. Didn't feel like they were uh, interested in doing that last year. Now it feels like after another offseason of just kind of being vocal about not wanting to be there, they were willing to take on, I think it was $6 million uh, to make his ca- cowboy cap hit, I think $12 million. So uh, I, 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 you know, it's funny because he was a name, obviously, like I said, that we've been hearing for a while. But the, the but, you know, as of the last two weeks, when you started, this was going to be happening. You definitely would have been more uh, uh, expecting, I think, uh, 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 to wake up to a, a notification that the Cowboys have traded for Arizona wide receiver uh, you know, uh, Hopkins. The Cowboys have signed free agent uh, Odell Beckham as opposed to what happened. But I think looking at, at his ability as a speed wide receiver, as a number two guy, more than these other guys that we've seen that, that thrown around his age, and he's still younger than Hopkins and, and Odell Beckham. Uh, and I think the price being just what the Cowboys uh, wanted, all those made it a, such a great fit. And then the compensation was, was really, really uh, uh, not that much to pay for the Cowboys. Right. And then, you know, you talk about compensation. The Cowboys made a trade a couple of days ago for Stefan Gilmore, yeah. who's still a stud corner. And the compensation there was, again, only a fifth round pick. And you're talking about now you have that second option next to Trevon Diggs. And, you know, the one two punch at wide receiver was CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. We just talked about how do you like that one two punch there with now Diggs and Gilmore? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is great. They got CB2 and wide receiver two in the last week with some trades and, and, and they're quality players, veterans that have produced up multiple teams at multiple stops. So they're not even, uh, uh, you know, unknown quantities that, that were only good on one team. These are t- guys that have played well on multiple teams. And, and I think our veteran presence that can come into these rooms, wide receiver room for, uh, for Cooks and obviously for Gilmore going to the CB room and and put their shoulders around Cowboys, you know, current young superstars and kind of teach them the way of taking their games to the next level. And in both these cases, I think you've got guys who have had experience uh, playing on 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 teams with with championship pedigree. Uh, and and I think that that you know the Cowboys have consistently kind of produced very young teams because of their draft and develop you know style. Adding some veteran presence to the top of that, I think that's one of the things that they really learned a lot from last year was, you know, getting T.Y. Hilton, getting Hankins, getting Jason Peters into these into the locker room really, really helped some of these younger players. And and I think C.D. Lamb and, and, and Diggs are still really young players, despite you know their their pedigree. Uh, so I think getting veterans in here that can kind of stabilize the room and and not and you know just help with some leadership aspect while these younger players kind of grow and develop into being young superstars themselves. Right. And, and speaking of a Dallas veteran who now is no longer with the team, Ezekiel Elliott leaves after such a successful tenure in Dallas yeah. at the end of the day, but obviously the franchise tag goes to Tony Pollard and in money wise Zeke's contract, the Cowboys get out from under that was, was that a move you were expecting and, and what did Zeke's tenure mean for Dallas when he was there? I think that everyone was expecting something was going to happen. I think obviously being getting cut was 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 one of the things on the table. I think probably the leader at the clubhouse, going back to the horse horse racing analogy, uh, was is is was more likely that he was going to you know kind of re-sign a deal or figure out a way to stay with the team, but but do something about obviously the cap hit that was not tenable for the Cowboys. Uh, and ultimately, I don't think that that they could get down to a number. I don't think Zeke and his agent could agree to a number that was enough that was made it worthwhile for the Cowboys to go. So they decided, hey, you know, we're going to go ahead and release you early so you can k- sign on with another team, see if your market can provide for you what you're looking for. 
uh, and then and then you know just we'll we'll take the June first uh, uh, hit and we'll we'll pay for the dead money this year and, th- and next year and that'll uh, get free us up to potentially you know make some moves like like exactly what just happened and and I think that kind of also points back to again getting some more veteran leadership into the locker room after losing Zeke. I mean, any, every, I know there's lots of opinions about how Zeke had been playing these last few years and about his contract, but one thing that was completely undeniable about Zeke was uh, his leadership and, and, and how much he was important to the being just a face to the franchise uh, and always willing to speak to the, to the media, no matter what. I think those are things that you're looking to while, while adding some of this veteran leadership to, for them to step up and, and to replace Zeke's leadership there. Right. And I know, Landon, you probably heard going into last year, the NFC least jokes and what that yeah. division was supposed to be. And then yeah. what it actually turned all, all the conversations on the, on the AFC West and how good they got. The NFC East turned into one of the best divisions in football with Philly, with Dallas, with the Giants. The commanders have already made some noise this offseason, too. Now, we know what Philly did last year, you know, phenomenal run by them. But Dallas makes these two swing for the fences moves while not really giving up any draft conversation in the process. How far does that move them up your rank? Is, are the Eagles still your by far and away favorites? Does Dallas jump them? Or is Dallas now the NFC East favorites? Where are you with Dallas and their positioning in this division? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's I, I've always felt like these teams are kind of neck and neck and, and circumstance obviously uh, didn't put the Cowboys where the Eagles were at the end of the year last year. Uh, but I think, you know, the, Cow- the Eagles suffered some losses on the defensive side. We've already seen some people get signed with seeing their offensive line lose Isaac Samalo. Um, and the Cowboys have been able to mostly maintain. We're going to see exactly what happens at tight end and, and some of these other situations. Um, you know, I think it's still kind of an in-progress thing. That I think the draft is going to tell a lot. The, the Eagles have uh, a lot of opportunity to kind of get back into this and, and use leverage their draft picks to fill a lot of holes that they've kind of, you know, not created, but they've that, that have happened because of you know that's the success that that's what success does to you. Your players end up leaving, so we'll see how well they're able to plug things up. But I, I think. For sure, the Cowboys are still very much in the conversation. And I'm just, you know, hoping that we get to see an opportunity where and we were just talking about it before the show. I just hope we're going to get to see an opportunity next year where, where the, the these two teams get to play each other with both teams having their starting quarterbacks, which we didn't get to see last year. Uh, because I do think that these are two very evenly matched teams. Uh, and and, and in, in a division that is, like you mentioned, improving elsewhere, the, I expect the Giants and the Commanders to potentially be better than they were last year. Maybe the Commanders take a step back because of what's going on there a little bit in transition. But I was surprised how good they were last year. And I think the Giants, um, you know, definitely have some great coaching and, and, and have kind of turned that front, at least the front uh, head of the organization around a little bit. And I think that's going to make them a better team year to year than what we've seen you know in the last decade big shout out to landon for joining me and again if you want more on the dallas cowboys and landon's work be sure to check out the locked on cowboys podcast part of locked on podcast network your team every day i like the moves dallas made but coming up in the second segment we'll be talking about the raiders and the moves they made with your boy q of locked on raiders so be sure to stay tuned so lots to dive into here on locked on nfl but first this episode is brought to you by ultimate football GM, and you've heard me talk about this mobile game app. And if you've ever thought you'd make a good general manager, you've got to give this game a try. It's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty. And when you play ultimate football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory, trying to build that historic dynasty. And there are so many different things that add on to your experience. In this game, you have to manage everything that comes with building your dynasty. Every good or bad decision you make really can have consequences, good or bad 
to your franchise. It, it's a really fun game, really immersive. And once you even download it, you don't need, even need Wi-Fi to play and at play. And so if you want to, you can play with your friends or your family. Laws on Football Jam are responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing all the finances, including negotiating player salaries and terms. You navigate your franchise through free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and all the ups and downs of a season. All of a sudden, a challenging or realistic game world. Laws on Football Jam is going to be free and playable offline. You can play on the go as you want. And when you want to, Locked On NFL listeners get a 100% free boost of their franchise using the promo code Locked On and no caps on Game Store. That's Locked On and no caps. So make sure to check it out today. Download the game. This is at ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football Jam. Start your dynasty today. We return here. It's our second segment of Locked On NFL here on Monday. Kevin Ostriker still here with you again. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us on Locked On NFL your first listen each and every day. Be sure to subscribe, follow along for free, both in video form on YouTube and audio form anywhere you get your podcast. And we just got done talking about the Cowboys with Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys. Now let's move over to your boy Q of Locked On Raiders, and we'll talk with him about Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Myers, Darren Waller, and everything going on in Vegas now. Well, the Las Vegas Raiders have been busy so far over the course of this 2023 free agency period. Here to talk about that with me is your boy Q, the host over at Locked On Raiders. And Q, I know a lot of the topic has been on the quarterback position for Las Vegas over the course of these last couple of months, whether it be Aaron Rodgers rumors, Tom Brady, but the uh, Saints getting Derek Carr from the Raiders. And now the Raiders bring in Jimmy Garoppolo from the 49ers in a move where I think people are overall happy at least from what i've seen in vegas about the move but what are you seeing in that move in the kind of the transition from Derek carr to jimmy garoppolo well it's kind of a it's kind of a dangerous move to be 100 percent honest with you and i think that people are still kind of on the fence with if they're happy about the move or not i mean obviously the Derek carr era was going to come to an end at some point and this new staff decided that it was you know at the end of last year so uh, they benched him for the last two games of the season so you knew that that was happening he goes to new orleans gets a fresh start there and you know, everyone wishes them well. But with Jimmy G, you know he's a good quarterback. Like, it's never a question of is he a good quarterback or not. I don't think he has the strongest arm. I don't think you're going to see him throwing the ball down the field a, a whole lot at Allegiant Stadium. But when it comes to Jimmy G, it's just about durability, right? Is he going to be available? And so that's the biggest question. And, you know, he met with us on uh, on Friday at the, at the practice facility when he was introduced to the media. And, you know, he's saying all the right things. Like, I mean, if it comes down to winning the press conference, he did, right? He said he's going to go in there and he's going to earn – uh, his his you know everything his position uh, you know the the respect in the locker room he wants to be a leader but all that's going to be earned you know he said he's a very blue collar guy works really hard in practice I mean again saying all the right things but when push comes to shove man it's like well how many games are you going to be available for right and he was even asked a little bit about how frustrating it gets you know being injured and having to kind of go through rehab and and how how much of a mental uh, you know, how much that, that kind of wears on, on his 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 head and everything. And he said, well, at this point, I'm kind of used to it. So that's kind of, you know, kind of tells you all that you need to know. I mean, he's so used to being injured that the mental part isn't even really that bad anymore for him. It's just about trying to stay on the field. So I don't know what he's going to have to do, if there's any kind of training he could do to make himself more durable. But at the end of the day, I mean, Jimmy G is a good quarterback. He has a really good uh, percentage as far as winning. You know, he has a lot of wins under his belt. But I mean, let's be real about the situation. You know, in San Francisco, he had a really good team around him, right? A really good team, especially on the defensive side of things, that helps. The Raiders don't have that on the defensive side of things, so they've got to build this up around Jimmy G to give him the uh, even a chance to be half as successful as he was in San Francisco. So there's a lot to 
to you know kind of wonder about the move. Uh, everyone's hope, hoping that that he's going to be the guy. But again, you know, if you you don't have the durability, you're not there all the time. Your availability is your best ability, and it's just you know with Jimmy G, it hasn't been there. So it's it's a questionable move, and and we'll see what happens. Uh, but as far as you know, just being a talented guy, we all know that he's definitely that. Yeah, and you mentioned kind of building up the offense around Jimmy G and the Raiders. They go out, they add Jacoby Myers in New England, you know, on an $11 million per year contract. Was the wide receiver position one that you were definitely identifying is a position of need for the Raiders? And how'd you like Myers coming in and that fit now for Las Vegas? I think it's a good one. You know, I really do. He obviously knows Josh McDaniels really well. Uh, he knows how to get open. He's not a burner, but he knows how to get open and he knows how to secure the ball after the catch. Right. And so that's the good thing about it is he'll find ways to get open. He's going to run the routes the exact way that Josh McDaniels wants him to run it. Uh, he's already said that Coach McDaniels is very tough uh, as a coach. You know, he's going to really ride you, but it's to it's to make you a better player and he said that really he wouldn't be the player he was today if it wasn't for what coach McDaniels did for him in New England so uh you know a guy that chose to to come to Vegas and and play for the Raiders uh kind of tells me a lot that he really does respect uh coach McDaniels and knows what he wants and, and so he's excited to be able to play across with Devontae Adams uh obviously Darren Waller's no longer there but Hunter Renfro is still there so uh, you're looking at that wide receiver core and as, as long as they bring back Josh Jacobs which I believe they will you know, you got a pretty salty little offense, you know, a nice running game, a quarterback that can get you the ball, a quarterback that likes to get the ball out of his hand quickly, get it to the wide receiver and let the wide receiver get yards after the catch. That's exactly who Jacoby Myers is. And then, of course, like I said, you throw in Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams, and it sounds like a really good offense. You just got to continue to build that offensive line. Again, going back to uh, trying to take care of Jimmy G and making sure that he stays upright, stays healthy. Right, and it's it's a good trio of wide receivers over there in Las Vegas. Yeah. But you mentioned Darren Waller. Let's talk a bit about that trade. Seems a little shocking to some people. You know, it ended up being Waller to the Giants for a third-round pick. I know when you talk about durability, Waller, in terms of his ability to stay on the field, hasn't maybe been what Raiders fans would have liked over these past couple of seasons. But were, were you shocked by the move? And what's the future of the tight end position now in Las Vegas? It's funny. I was shocked when it happened, when it was announced that he was traded. I was like, wow, I didn't see that coming. I think I even tweeted that out. But then after I thought about it for a while, I was like, well, actually, I'm not really too surprised by it after all, you know, because there was rumors that even last season before the trade deadline that Green Bay had called and, and tried to get Darren Waller. And there was some, you know, smoke around the building that maybe he was going to be on his way out because, well, he just wasn't available. Right. And then even going back to training camp last year, you know, he was in, in camp and then he was out of camp. Then he was in camp. Then he was out uh, hamstring injury, hamstring injury. You know, even going back to what the 2021 season when he got injured on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys, you know, that really kind of started his his. I guess, history now of, of not being available that often. And so uh, I think that the, the new staff wasn't a big fan of his efforts to try to get back and be healthy. Uh, I don't think that uh, all the rehab went the way that they really wanted him to, to go. Uh, there's been a couple of different videos floating around Twitter uh, from, you know, former executives talking about, you know, the fact that he left on the bye week and, and didn't go and do his rehab work. And instead, he was down in like Southern California, uh, you know, hanging out with family and friends. And, and so, you know, it, it's just this staff wants you to be working and they want you to work hard and they want you to do everything that you can for the team without them having to tell you and without them having to urge you and say, Hey man, come down to the facility, get some treatment. They want you there, you know? And so uh, I think that that rubbed them the wrong way, especially after giving them a contract extension. So uh, actually, you know, when I look at back at it, uh, I'm not surprised that Darren's gone. I think that the Raiders got a, a third round pick was a pretty good value for him, especially since this uh, tight end class and the draft coming up is very, very deep. 
uh, with tight ends. So uh, I think that's where the Raiders are going to go and try to address the tight end position. I think they are going to go and get one in the draft this upcoming year. Uh, and so that's another reason why it made him expendable. And really, to me, it's the reason, you know, it kind of shocked me that they were able to get a third round pick out of the Giants just because there's so many tight ends in this upcoming draft. They could have easily said like, well, no, nah, we'll just address it in the uh, in, in the draft. And so maybe, uh, you know, squeeze a, a fourth round pick out of them or, or, or lesser, you know, who knows? But uh, the Raiders were able to get a third round pick. Not too bad. I know there was rumors that maybe they could have got a second round pick last year. But I think at that point of the year, they still believed that maybe it could work with Darren Waller. So uh, it didn't. You know, they moved on from they got a third round pick and they have 12 draft picks now uh, coming up in the upcoming draft. So, I mean, if you could turn around a team, uh, you could hit on some of those draft picks. You can go out there and field a lot better team than you had a, a season ago. The Raiders are making moves and we'll see what else they do this offseason. And for more on Q's work and the Raiders, be sure to check out the Locked On Raiders podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But coming up in our final segment, still a lot to talk about. Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots will be joining us talking about the Jacoby Myers departure, bringing in Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Sicky, and a lot more coming up next on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And the tournament is heating up now. Is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. as bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, it's down on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three strains. And in terms of the tournament, this was not a good year for me. I, I picked Purdue to win and i think everybody who's following along knows what happened to purdue losing to fdu as the 16 seed so i'm out on that but nba the nuggets beat the brooklyn nets yesterday so at least i'm uh i'm riding high on that nicole Jokic triple double so if you bet on that on FanDuel, it must have been a good day betting wise for you and there are so many other exclusive bets like the two by three which is two three pointers scored in the first three minutes plus Phil even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger power with the same game parlay over at FanDuel so don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first but up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make a promote more FanDuel and official sports betting partner of the NBA we return here it's our final segment of locked on NFL Kevin Ostraker still here with you now we are going to move into New England and talk about the Patriots with Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots about Mike Kosicki, Juju Smith-Schuster, what the Patriots could do in their secondary, and a lot more coming up now. The New England Patriots making a couple of moves over the course of free agency so far. Here to talk about that with me today is Mike DeBate, the host of Locked On Patriots. And Mike, when talking about this New England team, obviously a couple of years ago, it seemed like they were signing everybody. Now it's kind of calmed down a little bit, but still some pretty big moves in terms of them bringing in Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously now a Super Bowl champion, winning that last year at Kansas City. Now the Patriots lose Jacoby Myers to the Las Vegas Raiders, so you're pretty much swapping out Jacoby Myers, bringing in Juju Smith-Schuster. What's the, what's the trade-off there between a guy like Myers and a guy like Smith-Schuster? Well, there definitely are some similarities, Kevin, in the way that these guys play the game. But the biggest difference and the reason why I think the Patriots were so enamored with Juju and maybe willing to let Jacoby walk out the door was their ability to get yards after the catch. Jacoby is an extremely sure-handed ball catcher, and he will definitely catch passes that are thrown his way, but doesn't have the dynamic ability to extend those plays and get yards after the catch. This is where Juju Smith-Schuster really leaps off the page when it comes to the Patriots, when it comes to really the NFL. 141 yards above expectation last season, the fifth highest number in the league. By comparison, the Patriots' entire receiving core last year combined in just 33 yards after the catch in 2022. So Juju is an immediate upgrade there. I think he'll be a good logistical fit in New England. 
Jacoby was one of my favorite guys to cover here in New England, so I'm certainly going to miss him, and I know he's going to do well with the Las Vegas Raiders, but this seems like a move when you actually break it down, something the Patriots had to do. Right, and then you're talking about some of these weapons you're putting around Mac Jones in New England right now. Mike Kosicki comes in from an AFC East rival in Miami. <laughs> now, now Johnu Smith, who was a big signing for the Patriots a couple off-seasons ago, is now out in New England. So again, kind of the swap between Mike Kosicki and Johnu Smith, two very different players. Is Mike Kosicki a better fit than Johnu Smith was in this offense? Yeah, I think so. I think ultimately when the Patriots signed Johnu and Hunter a couple of years ago uh, within a day of each other, everybody automatically jumped to the old days of 12 personnel here, ironically under Bill O'Brien when he was the offensive coordinator in his first tour of duty in New England, where he ran that so effectively with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. I think a lot of people lost sight of the fact that both of these guys, Gronkowski and Hernandez, were not going to, or I should say Hunter Henry and John U. Smith are not exact fits or replacements like for like for Gronk and Hernandez. That was a dynamic combination, the likes of which we haven't seen since here in New England. Jono was more of a typical move tight end. I think he could have been more of a threat in the red zone, but ultimately the Patriots chose to deploy him as a blocker most of the time. It's not something they're going to be able to do with Kosicki. That's not his game. But what he does do very well is make contested catches in tight situations. Last couple of years in Miami, 2020, 2021, 61 catches combined in contested situations. New England ranked last in red zone productivity in 2022. That's where they can really use Gasecki, and that's where I think they're looking for the tight end position. They want to make that a focal point of their offense. Yeah, now with Gasicki and Hunter Henry there, I think it's a very dynamic duo that you can have there around Mac Jones. Let's flip over, Mike, to the defensive side of the ball here, Mm -hmm. talking a bit about that New England secondary. We know how talented the defense is. Obviously, Matthew Judon's worked out really well since coming over from Baltimore a couple years ago. I know there have been some question marks in the secondary. Kyle Duggar's been great for New England. He's Mm -hmm. one of those chess pieces you can move all around the field. But are are there any other, you know, Jonathan Jones comes back, Jalen Mills, a, a guy who's no longer there. What do you want to see from New England in their secondary over these next couple of weeks of free agency? Well, not so much in free agency. I think the Patriots are going to have their eye toward the draft for help in the secondary. Right now, this is a very deep class when it comes to corners, not so much when it comes to safety. So it wouldn't surprise me to see the Patriots go after a veteran safety. There's been a lot of rumor, a lot of innuendo that these guys are very heavily in on former Los Angeles Rams safety Taylor Rapp. I like this move for the Patriots if they can do it. This is a hard hitter. He comes in. He definitely is able to play in versatile ways for New England, and this could be a very good fit for them. But ultimately, what I think they need to do is be able to shore up and get depth, get reliable veterans in that secondary. Rap could be an opportunity, but ultimately, uh, when it comes to the cornerback position, I think they're going to try to go younger at that uh, um, at that area. And it wouldn't surprise me to see them dip their toe early into a cornerback market when it comes to the draft. Right. And you're looking at the AFC East now, Mike, and obviously the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, that obviously seems like it's going to mm-hmm. become a thing one way or the other as a trade gets worked out over however long it's going to be. Obviously, the Bills are the Bills, that they're going to be a powerhouse. And then the Dolphins making moves for Jalen Ramsey. They bring in a Sean Elliott in their secondary as well. Where does New England kind of fall in right now in that AFC East pecking order? Uh, well, I think in a lot of ways, you're going to have to see how these teams all shake out. The final rosters when, well, I shouldn't say final, but the uh, when the dust settles uh, rosters, I guess is the best way to put it, to find out really where they're going to be in that pecking order. 
Obviously, in the court of public opinion right now, everybody's got the Patriots penciled in fourth because they're seeing Aaron Rodgers join a team with the Jets that nearly made a huge playoff run last year, probably should have gone further than they actually did. The Bills still the class of that division right now. And Miami, you take a look at the season they had last year. You add Jalen Ramsey into that defensive backfield. All of a sudden, that's a very formidable team on both sides of the ball. But one thing I will caution people that are ready to write the Patriots epitaph on Bill Belichick knows how to build a team from the ground up, and the moves that they're making in New England are shoring up areas where they were deficient last year. Get reliable pass catchers, people that can make things happen in the red zone, in the open field, but also depth along the offensive line. Riley Reef coming in uh, as a uh, free agent uh, signing. Calvin Anderson comes in. These are depth moves that really will help the Patriots. And then if you start to add pieces in that secondary, along with what they've done in the special teams unit, Matty Chris Board, which is huge. You know him very well from his years in Baltimore. Patriots have pretty good luck prying special teamers away from the Ravens and making them really key pieces. You saw them do that with Justin Bethel a couple of years ago. I like what I'm seeing here, and I think the New England Patriots can make a run. So right now, maybe not in the upper echelon, but don't sleep on the Patriots. They know how to get things done, especially when everybody else has written them off. We'll see what the Patriots do. The Dolphins strengthening their team. The Jets strengthening their team as well. And the Bills being the Bills. The Patriots added some guys. They made their team better. But we'll see if the Patriots can make a couple more splashes to maybe up their standing in that pecking order right now. And for more on the Patriots and Mike's work, of course, be sure to follow us on the Locked On Patriots podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to get back here tomorrow. It is more NFL content, of course, with your Tuesday hosts. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow.